Okay, so here we go. Time to read some more of The Prince Warriors. I was told that you guys listened to the first seven chapters on your way to Sioux Falls, so I'm going to record a couple more chapters so you have something to listen to on the way home when you guys go back tomorrow, maybe? I think. I don't know. Okay, here we go. So, chapter eight, The Gate to Destruction. The kids found themselves in the middle of the sandstorm that they thought they'd left behind for good. They stood with their backs together, their bodies tense. The sand clouds were so thick and uh, the wind so fierce, they couldn't see any light coming through. No hint of sky or sun. Is it the Grobel thing again? Brienne asked, covering her head in defense against a giant, horrible sand monster that had almost buried her before. Hey, Levi said, looking at his hands in wonder. There's no wind. He was right. Although the storm raged all around them, they couldn't feel any sand whipping their faces. It was like they were in a protective bubble or an invisible force field. It's like we're in it, but we're not really in it. Evan said, his voice hushed. He went up to the edge of the bubble and poked his finger into the barrier. It didn't tremble the way the ceiling of the cave had. It was solid, hard, and clear, like glass. Clearer than glass, actually. Cool, whispered Xavier to himself. So how are we supposed to get out of here? Brianna asked. Find this kingdom or whatever? (laughs) As if in answer to her question, loud popping noises sounded all around them, each one announcing trouble. Cracks began to form in the bubble, small at first, but snaking outward like an intricately, wo- intricately woven spiderweb. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, boys. This doesn't look good, said Evan. The kids huddled closer together as if preparing themselves for the inevitable. The bubble imploding, the storm filling all the space around them. The cracks continued to widen. The creaking noise is more pronounced. It's opening, said Brianna, backing away. Yeah, but no sand is coming in, Xavier said. He strained forward for a better view. The others followed his lead. It was true. The storm did not enter through the cracks. They're more like doorways. He was right. The cracks had become openings wide enough to see through. Three gates appeared, a big one in the middle and two smaller ones on either side. The middle gate was ornate gold and the two on the outside were plain rough wood. Over all three were engraved words. (laughs) Lean not on your own understanding. Around each doorway, suspended in space, the sandstorm continued to blow. Yet the three doorways opened to three different worlds. The doorway to the left led to a dark, gloomy-looking street with old, crumbling buildings on either side. Two street lamps in the foreground were lit, but the rest weren't. The pavement looked damp, like it was raining. The gate on the right was the only one that led right back into the raging sandstorm. The wide middle gate led to a pretty cobbled road lined with trees and flowers, which stretched over several hills. There were gardens and waterfalls and green mountains, and far into the distance, sitting on a cushion of clouds between the mountain peaks, was a magnificent sprawling castle. The sky was clear blue, but dotted with odd-shaped objects where clouds should have been, although these things didn't look anything like clouds. They were more like big, floating, grayish-purple rocks. The house on the hill, Brianna said, pointing. Well, it's more like a house on a cloud than a hill, and that house is more like a castle. Isn't it beautiful? And that was in my instruct and that was in my instruction. I'm supposed to go that way. She lurched toward the middle gate. Wait, Xavier said, reaching out to block her path. We're supposed to follow the armor, remember? Follow the way of the armor, whatever that means. How do we do that? asked Levi. Isn't it going to talk or something? Is it going to talk or something? 
The kids looked at the breastplates as if waiting for them to speak. So what's it saying? Evan asked. Can you hear anything? Levi and Xavier shook their heads. Well, I know I don't want to go that way, Brianna said, pointing to the darkest street to the left. Looks kind of haunted, and I'm definitely not going back into that sand again. So there's only one choice. She's inched toward the middle gate. I agree with her, Evan said. I mean, why would Ruwak give us this armor and then send us right back into a storm with that those that these two barely made it out of? He gestured toward Brianna and Levi. So what are we waiting for? asked Levi. Let's go. Suddenly the orb on Levi's breastplate started spinning, the words inside tumbling out so he could see them hovering in the air. The gate to destruction is wide, and the road that leads there is easy to follow. The kids read the instructions slowly, carefully, carefully, each of their eyes darting from the message to the options before them. Xavier pointed to the middle gate. That looks pretty wide. I don't think we're supposed to go that way. It doesn't make sense to choose either of those other ways, Levi said. Just look at them. (laughs) Xavier looked. Levi was right. Both options looked pretty uninviting. He took a deep breath. Lean not on your own understanding, he said. It's written right above there, see? That's true, Brianna said thoughtfully. Just then, the orb on her breastplate began to spin, glowing faintly. Hey, look, your armor's doing something. She looked down, straining to see. Then she looked back at Evan. Yours is doing it, too. They stared in astonishment as both orbs projected a beam of light into space between them. Particles of light began to dance, twirling around each other until they reorganized into an image. The image of the dark city street that lay through the gate to the left. Then suddenly the image broke apart, the light retreating back into the orbs. Whoa, Evan said softly. I think it wants us to go that way. He pointed to the left gate. That way, Brian asked, making a face of horror. That can't be right. She rapped on her breastplate a few times, hoping a new picture would appear. But it didn't. I wonder if we're all supposed to go that way, Xavier said. We probably should stay together. Just then, Xavier's orb did the same thing, projecting an image into the air in front of him, the gate with the storm. He looked back up at the gate on the right. It's telling me to go that way. His shoulders slumped in dismay. You too? He pointed to Levi. Indeed, Levi's armor was projecting the same image. What? No way, Levi shook his head. Nuh-uh, not me. I'm not going back in there. But we have armor now, said Xavier. This armor? You think this is going to protect you from that? He looked around at the others, who only shrugged, betraying their own doubts about the armor. Levi shook his head. No way. I'm going this way. Catch you on the flip side. He turned and headed for the middle gate. Brianna grabbed his arm. Levi, I don't think you should. Don't worry about me. I'll be in the fancy castle, probably eating an ice cream sundae by the time you guys get there. Have fun. He approached the gate carefully, took a deep breath, and glanced back at his friends one more time. <laughs> then he turned, straightened his shoulders, and stepped over the threshold to the other side. He looked to the other kid, looked to the other kids as if he'd passed through an invisible curtain, the scene on the cobbled road swallowing him as he vanished through it. Evan rushed to the middle gate, gazing at the empty scene in awe. He just disappeared. I hope he's going to be okay, Brianna said, clearly worried. Maybe Levi's right, Xavier said. Maybe we should just go with him. It doesn't seem like the right way, and maybe we don't know what these pictures really mean. He stopped, his eyes suddenly drawn to the words over the storm over the storm gate. Lean not on your own understanding. Well, it didn't really make sense, but this was what the armor was telling him to do. He sighed. I guess I have to go that way. As soon as he said it aloud, he felt something open in, 
open in himself, a new certainty arising. Yes, this is the right path. Then I guess we have to go through there, said Brianna, indicating the gateway to the old city street. It's so dark and wet and old. The old path, Evan said suddenly, like a lightning bulb had come on in his head. Maybe that's what the instruction meant. Follow the old path. Paths of old, not old path, corrected Brianna. Same thing, Evan said. It said if I go down the old path, it will be peaceful or something, right? It said you would find a peace. Well, close enough. Evan marched toward the gate, then stopped and turned. The bright look of confidence on his face had faded already. So, are you coming or what? He said to Brianna. Yeah, I guess so, Brianna sighed deeply, throwing back her shoulders, preparing herself for the worst. Hey, said Xavier. Brianna turned to look at him. He was startled by the bigness of her eyes. They were dark brown, but sort of sparkly like the rest of her. He felt his face flush and hoped she didn't notice. Just watch out for my little brother, okay? I can watch out for myself, Evan said. With that, he spun around and plunged through the gate. It appeared that he, like Levi, had passed through a curtain and was gone. Don't worry, said Brianna, smiled at Xavier. I got this. She gave him a thumbs up, then turned, took another deep breath, and strode resolutely through the gate after Evan. She disappeared too. All alone now, Xavier looked down once more at the picture floating on his breastplate. Just to be sure, it hadn't changed the storm. He looked again at the serene middle path that led straight to the castle on the cloud. Maybe I'm crazy, he said with a sigh. He walked up to the gate on the right, gazing out at the violent wind, the swirling sand so dense it looked like a thick, dark fog. He straightened, took three huge breaths, shut his eyes, and plunged through the gate and into the storm. Chapter 9, Walking on Circles Levi ambled along the cobblestone path, enjoying enjoying the warm sunshine, the gentle breeze. It was pretty sweet in Aharatus, he thought. The sun shone. It was not too hot, not too cold. Around him, butterflies fluttered. At least that's what he thought they were, although they didn't really look like any butterflies he'd ever seen before. They were as big as birds, their huge, lustrous wings changing colors as they flew. They landed on the trees and flowers that lined the road all around him, beating their wings slowly. As they moved along the path, they moved too, following his progress, hopping over each other and landing on flowers and tree branches on either side of him. He had a strange feeling they were watching him. After a while, he became unnerved by the constant vigilance. He rushed over to a group of them and waved his arms as if to scare them off. They fluttered a bit, but as soon as he returned to his walking, they returned to their watching. He tried to forget about the butterflies, concentrating on the castle that lay ahead. It looked more like a fantastic, fantastical than it looked more fantastical than Disney World. Maybe there are rides, he thought, and food. He was feeling a bit hungry. Ice cream would be good. Cookies and cream, slathered with hot fudge and whipped cream on top. That would hit the spot. The castle began to appear as though it was made of frosting and candy. He shook his head. Surely his eyes were playing tricks on him. It was pretty, though shimmering at his foundation of clouds nestled between the tall, hazy green mountain peaks. He couldn't help but think of Brianna, wishing she had come with him. If she had, she'd likely be making friends with the butterflies and dreaming up a wild story about what was going on in the castle. A story which might include fairies playing dodgeball with gumdrops or racing each other on rainbow-colored unicorns. The butterflies kept watching him. <laughs> Sweat dripping from his brow, he was getting tired from walking so far. 
How far had he walked anyway? He had no idea. Wish I had my skateboard. His boots felt heavy and hot. Despite their ventilation strips, there didn't seem to be any air flowing through them at all. He sat down on a tree stump by the side of the road and took them off. He threw them aside and stretched out his legs, wiggling his toes. Much better. He stood up. The cobbled path felt cool and uncharacteristically smooth under his bare feet. Not rough and bumpy like he expected. That was strange. It was, after all, a stone path. But maybe everything in Aharatus was kind of perfect. Even the cobblestones didn't hurt your feet. Awesome. He glanced down at the tree stump he'd just been sitting on. Something nagged at him. A certain unnamed doubt settling on his shoulders. He looked around at the path, the sky, the trees, the butterflies, and then back at the tree stump. Hadn't he seen that tree stump before? He remembered because it had looked like a bear cub from far away. He walked on for a while on his bare feet, carrying the boots, one in each hand. Another tree stump came into view. He stared at it. Bear cub? Exactly the same as the last one. And the flowers surrounding it. Hadn't he seen those same flowers around the last tree stump? The nagging doubt grew even heavier. His eyes darted about, searching for some clue. That was, that was when he realized that all the trees were exactly the same. Maybe they'd planted that. Maybe they were planted that way. He thought in a design, in a design. But that tree stump. He was imagining things. It couldn't be the same. He looked at the distant castle in the clouds. Weird, he thought. It didn't seem to be getting any closer. He'd been walking for hours already. At least it felt like hours, although he couldn't really tell. Maybe the sun hadn't moved in the sky. Maybe it was only minutes. But he was so tired, and the kingdom was still just as far away as it had been when he started. Something moved behind him. A person? An animal? He whirled to look, but it was gone. He put down the boots and then reached out to touch the tree stump. It felt smooth and hard. No rough edges, no animal teeth marks, no scent of sap or pine like the stumps in his backyard at home. In fact, this stump looked a lot like the artificial apples his mother kept in a basket on the kitchen table for decoration. He remembered to try and take a bite of one and being shocked when he discovered it was plastic. The realization hit him like a two-ton runaway truck. Plastic! This tree stump was fake! He gazed around him once more, his heart racing as it slowly dawned on him that everything he was seeing in this world, everything was made of plastic. He touched the trees, the flowers, all fake. He could feel a, he could feel a breeze, but the leaves on the trees didn't even rustle. The only thing that moved were the butterflies. He wondered if they might be fake too. Like those mechanical butterflies he'd seen online when he'd been shopping for new skateboards. He put down his boots and walked over to one of them, slowly flapping its wings as it sat on a fake flower. He reached out to touch it. Ouch! A sharp pain shot down his finger. He pulled it back quickly and looked close. A welt was starting to form. Since when did butterflies sting? His finger really hurt. He shook his hand out, trying to shake away the pain. The welt puffed up and turned red like a bee sting. He'd once gotten a bunch of those when he and his friends thought it would be a good idea to throw baseballs at a beehive. He remembered the painful welts all over his arms and neck, the swelling and itching. This thing felt worse than all of those put together. Thankfully, it stopped hurting pretty fast. Faster than a regular bee sting, anyway. But as he looked at his finger, he saw that the red welt was turning purple. The skin around the wound felt tight, like it was hardening. It couldn't be forming a scar already, could it? The purple turned to a deep, dark gray. He touched the cow's surface forming on the skin. It was cold and hard, like metal. Levi's heart raced, and he felt a knot of fear in the pit of his stomach. The butterfly was, was still fluttering, watching him. 
Its wings seem to be changing color, the bright red and yellow and purple hues dissolving into a dark gray, the same color as the welt on his finger. The wings seem to change shape, the soft, graceful edges becoming bent and jagged. It was almost as if the butterfly was turning into metal as well. The butterfly continued to watch him. Then Levi saw dozens of tiny red beams of light flashing like lasers from its eyes. A shiver crept up Levi's spine and curled around his neck, making him shudder. Fear whispered softly in his ear as if the butterfly itself were speaking, You're trapped. He backed away slowly while the butterflies began swooping around his head. They lit on the trees and flowers around him, their wings no longer full of color beating slowly. There was something definitely very wrong about them. The more frightened he felt, the calmer they appeared, as if they were just waiting for something. Levi walked faster and faster. He wished he had a skateboard. Then he was running, but still he didn't seem to be getting anywhere. The castle in the distance stayed very far away. It was like he was running in a circle or on a circle. He stopped panting. He stared down at the stones under his feet. He took a step and another. He was moving forward, and yet he wasn't. He suddenly thought of a circus performer he'd seen once balancing on top of a huge ball. The performer ran, making the ball spin, but he didn't really go anywhere. Levi started walking fast again, his feet too sore now to run. He couldn't remember where he'd left his boots. He'd put them down when he went to investigate the butterfly, so they must be by the tree stump. But when the tree stump came around again, they weren't there. He wondered if he should go back and go and look for them, but he had no idea where to begin. No matter where he went, he didn't seem to get anywhere. The view ahead of him never changed. He wondered if it was real or just a picture, like a backdrop in a play. He stopped walking. There was no point in walking anymore, he realized. It was clear that he wasn't moving forward, but perhaps if he went backward, he would somehow get back to the gates where he'd first started with the others. Maybe Xavier was still there. He had been having a lot of trouble making up his mind about which way to go. Levi could tell him what he'd discovered, that maybe the way through the storm was the right path after all. He felt better having a plan in mind. He turned and started walking back. Maybe he'd find his boots along the way, but the same thing happened. And the view never changed. He never got any closer to where he'd started. There was no gate anymore. He was trapped. No, I can't get out of this. Ruwak's not going to just leave me here, is he? He wasn't so sure about Ruwak after all. He still hadn't even seen the dude's face. Maybe he has some kind of evil spirit disguised as a helpful guide, and it was his intention all around to trap him in this miserable place. Didn't evil things dwell in caves like trolls? He's not a troll. Evan had been so sure about that. But what did a little kid know anyway? Okay, Ruach, if you can hear me, which way do I go now? No answer. He looked down at his breastplate. It was dark. The orb didn't spin. He hit it a few times with his fist to see if he could jumpstart it. Nothing. Mom, Dad. Were they worried about him? Was his dad still at the wreck waiting for him? Maybe they didn't even know he was missing. The sun hadn't moved. Maybe the time wasn't passing back in his world. His world? He wondered if Earth existed anymore. He wondered about the other kids, too, and which way they had gone. Were they stuck somewhere, too? As he stood there thinking about what he could do next, he felt the ground under his feet shift. The tremor was slight, but enough to grab his attention. He stood as still as possible, wondering if any moment might cause more trouble. Several seconds passed as he waited. For what? He had no idea. Silence. Maybe it was nothing. He raised one foot to take another step, but he couldn't move it. He looked down and gasped. His bare feet were slowly disappearing into the cobbled road as the road itself melted away. He raised his head and called out, Help! But his plea echoed back at him unanswered. 
Chapter 10. No turning back. Xavier braced himself, arms across his face, lips pursed, eyes closed, expecting to be deluged by flying sand as he passed through the gate. It took him a moment to realize that nothing had happened. His eyes opened, He opened his eyes and peeked through the opening in his crossed arms. When he finally put them down, he marveled at the fact that the ferocious wind did not touch him at all. The storm raged all around him, but he couldn't feel it. Xavier was in the storm, but he wasn't in the storm. Levi, he thought. He wished he could go back and tell him, tell him that this way had been the right way after all. But when he looked back, he saw that the gate was gone. He noticed that his breastplate was pulsing faintly, and the pulsing got faster depending on which way he faced. He turned in a circle until the pulsing became a steady beam of light aimed at the ground just in front of his feet. He took a step that way, and another. The light continued to shine just a little bit ahead of him, pointing the way. He looked ahead. All he saw was wild, whirling sand. But as he took a step, making sure the light from his breastplate was steady and didn't blink or flash, he was able to stay in the calm air. How was Levi doing? Xavier thought as he navigated through the storm. He wondered if he should have been more forceful about preventing Levi from taking the other route. But maybe Levi was okay, sitting up there at the fancy castle waiting for them, eating ice cream like he said. Xavier supposed he would find out when he got there, if he got there. There didn't seem to be any end to this sandstorm. He couldn't even glimpse the beautiful castle that had appeared through the wide gate. Had he made the right choice? All he knew for sure was this. There was no turning back now. He kept going, watching for the pulsing of the breastplate to correct his course now and then. After a while, it got sort of boring. He could see the sun at times through breaks in the sandstorm, a fuzzy white circle in the sky. He wondered if it was the same sun they had back in their world, but this sun didn't move at all. So it was impossible to know how much time had passed, or if time had even been passing. He thought of his parents. Had they woken up yet? Did they know he and his brother were gone? He wondered how Evan was doing in that gloomy town with the bossy girl with the big eyes. Had they gotten to the castle yet? Were they eating ice cream too, waiting for him to show up? Xavier couldn't remember the last time he had been really alone like this. It wasn't a great feeling. He wished they hadn't had to split up for the first play. in the first place. Why did they have to go through this crazy stuff to get that castle? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Actually, I do know. Um, yeah, so anyways, I love your mom so much, and she is my hero. And um, I just had to say that in the middle of reading this book because, you know, it says, why do we have to go through this crazy stuff? And I know we have to, why we have to go through this crazy stuff. Um, sorry, I'm, you know. Um, was there going to be a battle then? Xavier hoped Ruach would suddenly appear to provide some answers. Then he remembered the last thing that the little guide had said before he disappeared. You already have everything you need. Amen. Xavier had to trust that was true. He took his next step into the light and his foot sank in soft sand up to his ankle. He tugged it out and then took another step, but that foot began to sink slowly as well. It suddenly got much, much harder to pull up his feet to take more steps. Each time his boots sank deeper and deeper until he almost couldn't move. His heart raced, his breath caught in his throat, and he realized what he was walking in. Quicksand. Evan and Brianna walked silently along the dark street, which seemed to go on forever. 
Tall, gloomy buildings rose up on both sides. Their windows shuttered. They leaned inward, creaking eerily, as if about to pounce on whoever walked by. There was no moon in the sky, no stars either. The duo couldn't see what lay ahead of them. The only illumination came from the street lamps, which winked on one by one as Evan and Brianna approached. Their breastplates glowed faintly, the steady beams of light shining in little pools in front of their feet. Do you think anyone lives here? Brianna asked, gazing at the rundown buildings. Zombies, maybe? There's no such thing as zombies, said Evan. I read a book about zombies, said Brianna. They hide in abandoned buildings like this, and then they jump out at you while you're walking by, minding your own business. There's no such thing as zombies. You read too much. How would you know? You probably don't read at all, do you? I do so, Evan said, reddening. Man, how did I end up with a, in this awful place with a know-it-all girl? That roach guy must hate me. Ruwak, Brianna said with a huff. You can't even pronounce his name. Well, it's a weird name, Evan said sullenly. I don't get this. We're supposed to be in a battle. This isn't a battle. I mean, what's the point? What if there are zombies? There aren't any zombies already, and if there were, what would we fight them with? We don't even have any weapons. Ruwak said, we have everything we need, said Brianna, sounding as though she were trying to convince herself more than Evan. If something jumps out at us, well, we'll know what to do, right? Like what? Like, I don't know yet. Trust the armor? That's what Ruwak said. And your brother, he said it too. So you're taking advice from Xavier now? He seems smart, said Brianna with a small shrug. So you're saying I'm not smart? No, I didn't say that. He's just older and he, he probably knows more. Evan shook his head, disgusting. You're just like everyone else. You think that Xavier is so great. Well, believe me, if you had to live with him, you probably wouldn't think that. Brianna sighed but didn't answer. They walked on in silence for a while. Do you think Levi is okay? Brianna's voice was softer, edged in worry. He's probably doing better than we are right now, Evan muttered. I don't know. Levi's instruction was pretty clear about the wide gate and all. I'm not sure it was such a good idea. Well, we followed the instructions, and we aren't doing so well, are we? I mean, look at this place. Yeah, it's pretty creepy, said Brianna. At least it's not raining anymore. Wouldn't want to mess up your hair, Evan muttered under his breath. What did you say? I said it sure isn't a day at the fair, Evan said aloud. Are you sure we're supposed to be going this way? This is the way the armor is telling us to go, Brianna replied. They had already figured out that their breastplates stopped blinking and remained steady when they were headed in the right direction. Do you see it yet, Evan asked. That castle? We've got to get it, be getting close. I can't see it, Brianna said. I can hardly see anything. My feet hurt. I need to sit down for a moment. Sit where? There, Brianna said, pointing at it to a street lamp that had just blinked on. A bench! I don't think we should stop, Evan said, looking suspiciously at the bench as if it might be a trap. Just for a minute, I'm tired. The book didn't say anything about not taking breaks, did it? No, but it didn't say we could either. See? Brianna flounced onto the, flounced onto the, the bench. Finally, look, nothing happened. I'm fine. Evan hesitated, still unsure about the safety of the bench, but after a moment, he sat down too. I miss my mom, he said. And my dad. You? I don't live with my mom and dad, Brianna said. You don't? How come? Are they dead? No, they aren't dead. They just can't take care of me. Me and my sisters live with my nana and grandpa Tony. 
Oh, grandparents are cool, Evan said. My grandpa made, a, made me a sweet shield and sword once. I mean, when I was a kid, he added. He makes stuff like that. He built a treehouse for my mom when she was little. When we go to their house, we can still play in it, he said, as if hoping Brianna would be impressed. She wasn't. Stellar, she said with a hint of sarcasm. We moved to the country so we could be closer to them, Evan noted and added. Did you want to move? Not really. I miss my friends. But it's nice having a house and a yard, and I have my own room now, too. Brianna sighed. I wish I had my own room. I have to share with my sisters. They hardly give me any space since I'm the youngest. Yeah, I know what that's like. Being the youngest is no fun. You got that right. They were silent a moment. Then Evan spoke again. I wonder what they're doing. Who? My parents, your sisters, our people. Do you think they're looking for us? Brianna shrugged. My sisters probably aren't it. Aren't they hardly know I'm alive? Banana and Grandpa? Tony? Maybe. They, they don't even know we're gone yet. I mean, how long have we been here? I don't know. I can't tell. Me neither. Evan looked up at the sky, suddenly nervous. They had to get to the castle, wherever it was, soon. We should go, he said. To, he stood up. Ah! Brianna cried, startling him. He whipped around and saw that the bench had tilted like a teeter-totter, and Brianna's end was literally sinking into the pavement like a ship going down in the sea. Take my hand, Evan yelled. Brianna reached for Evan's hand, and he pulled her with all his might, making a growling sound with the other. He thought he might pull her arm right out of the socket, but Brianna managed to push off and get free of the sinking bench. Together, they watched it go down and disappear in a loud gurgle. What's happening? Brianna gasped. I don't know, but I think we need to get out of here. They stumbled away as the hole in the ground widened, swallowing up cobblestones and street lamps. It rumbled and groaned like a monster devouring a a whole village. A building nearby began to shift, leaning in further as the ground under was eaten away. Run, Evan said. The two kids raced up the street, but the sinking hole followed them, widening so that the whole building's so that whole buildings behind them began to crumble and crash into it. It was insatiable, gobbling up everything in its path. Evan and Brianna could barely keep ahead of it. Suddenly, the breastplates began to blink furiously. The kids stopped, turning in all directions until the blinking light became a steady beam aimed straight at a tall building on the side of the street. It wants us to go that way, Brianna shouted. They ran to the building, but there was no door or even a window to climb through, just a solid wall. Now what do we do? Brianna asked, her voice as shaky as the ground under her feet. He covered her ears to block out the horrible gurgling. She covered her ears to block out the horrible gurgling noise of buildings and roadways being sucked into the pit. Evan leaned back to look up, searching for something to climb on or a window higher up. He noticed that the beam from his breastplate pointed up as well, straight up the wall. Up the wall? We have to go up the wall? He said to Brianna. Up the wall? Are you crazy? Brianna grasped. Why not? Spider-Man can do it. You're not Spider-Man. Evan lifted his foot, and as he did, he he felt his boot vibrate, sending out long tendrils that stuck to the wall. Like Spider-Man, he thought, cool. He took a big breath and lifted the other foot on the gr- off the ground, placing it on the wall so that his body was now parallel to the ground. He thought he might fall upside down and crack his head on the sidewalk, but he didn't. He was standing on the wall, looking straight ahead at the starless sky. His mouth dropped in wonder. Brianna's eyes were even wider than usual. How did you do that? The boots, try them, Evan shouted. The ground under Brianna's feet began to tremble violently. Come on, step on the wall or you're going to fall in. 
She looked at him and nodded, breathing deeply. This is like jumping in a puddle of water, she thought. What have I got to lose? The breastplate lit up the wall in front of her as if to confirm that she was making the right decision. She jumped with both feet onto the wall just as the ground under her fell away. Her boots sprang to life, several tendrils shooting out and cementing her securely. She let out a half laugh, half gasp. Her boots gripped the wall like spider legs. She felt weightless, her own body defying gravity. Maybe this is how astronauts feel, she thought. She took a step. Her boots released easily and then gripped the wall once more when she put her foot down. Evan began to run up the wall. He actually looked like an astronaut, his feet lifting and falling almost in slow motion. Brianna began to run after him, enjoying the sensation of the boots gripping and releasing. Stellar, Brianna said under her breath. Wait till I tell my sisters. Uh Uh-oh. The building they were walking on started to shake and wobble. It's going to go down, shouted Evan. Hurry. They raced up the wall as fast as their boots could carry him, rounding the corner to the roof just as the whole building began to collapse under them with a terrifying roar. Oh, wow. This is getting exciting. I love you guys.